Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 15 of the ClapperCast. I'm Burke. And I'm Sean. And we're bringing you back some playoff hockey action. This first round has been amazing. Yeah, there's already been a couple teams eliminated, three teams eliminated, and uh, it's been some crazy hockey so far. A lot of series that are buzzing that we didn't really think were going to be too crazy. Yeah, I mean, the biggest series of all of them has been Tampa Bay and Columbus. Yeah, that's definitely where I wanted to start off. So, like, that (laughs) that is the series right now just because of what happened. Yeah, what a storyline, hey? I can't believe it. I mean, I did say last episode I thought Columbus was going to win in four. (laughs) (laughs) But originally, I mean, everybody thought Tampa was going to win. Well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure everyone had Tampa sweeping, to be honest. I mean, looking at uh, the NHL playoff brackets, like 40% of people had Tampa winning the cup. 0.4% 0.4% had Columbus. That was winning the yeah. cup, though, to be fair. But, I mean, how many people even picked Tampa to lose? Never mind, get swept. Barely anybody. I didn't even give Columbus a shot. No. I I thought they might have won a couple games, maybe, but they stepped it up. They did. Maybe let's just dive into that series a bit more. I got some stats here. Actually, first of Stat all, guy. first of all, my pick was Nick Foligno for a difference maker. Out of everybody on the team, I don't think he was the guy that made the difference. No, but, but he did initiate a lot of it. Yeah. And we that. touched on this in a, in a why, why This Happened blog post. Yeah. That's the leadership of Nick Foligno kind of ignited what Columbus was able to do. Um, like he scored that first goal. Yeah. Clutch. Um, he was on the bench rallying everyone up. He was the guy standing up for um, Nudavara. Mm-hmm. after getting cross-checked by Kucherov. So that's that's a huge factor. Leadership. Yeah, so he had two points in the series, but he had that huge goal. That was a big goal. Um, but Matt Duchesne, I think, is somebody who stands out How for me. How many points did he have? He had three goals and four assists. Against Tampa Bay. So seven points. And he had that yeah. one game where he got four points i think right yeah that, i think that was one he made some absolutely disgusting passes yeah so another guy so duchene was first on the team with seven. Second was panarin with five so he got two goals three assists and then uh, zach Morensky was third with one goal and four assists yeah yeah so, so tampa's again. or tampa columbus's top guys absolutely stepped up yeah for sure and I mean, they were they were huge because they controlled the play. They set the pace, and Tampa just couldn't match. They yeah, they couldn't adjust. They played that. I've seen a few different people online saying it was a one-two-two or a two-one-two. Some some sort of a trap. Some sort of yeah four-check trap, and it worked. It and did. Tampa couldn't do anything. I mean, and they're uh, trying to do dump and chase, but. Tampa's such a skilled team that they wanted to hold on to the puck yep. and bring it across the blue line. And, and, I mean, Cooper didn't adjust his strategy. He kept doing the same thing over and over, and you could tell it wasn't working because, like you said, like they couldn't carry the puck in. They wouldn't really dump it properly, and if they did, they don't have the type of team to be able to get the puck back. And that's kind of an ongoing issue for them because it works against some teams, but then teams that do implement that trap... Like, the Capitals did that to them last season. I mean, that series went to seven games, but they Tampa barely even showed up for Game 7. No. And that's another that brings up another point, is that Tampa didn't really show up. 
They, at all. No, they didn't. They showed up for the first period. They played one good period, and then they were they, they were, were kind of in game four for a little bit. Yeah, kind of like that last seven and a half minutes. Oh shit, we're almost eliminated. Yeah, thing. So, so it wasn't even like uh they played well. It was like oh they are just playing down, and now they're getting the shots that they needed earlier. Yeah. So Stamkos got his first point in the series in game four. I think Kucherov did too. Kucherov did too, and point I think as well. Um, I know I kind of gave this away to you earlier, but Tampa's top scorer in this series is quite surprising when you have weapons like Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, even Andre Palat, Tyler yeah, Johnson. Yeah, Point putting up points? <laughs> yeah, he already <laughs> had one on the back of his name, like, yeah. on his nameplate. But Eric Chernak was their point leader. Which is just... That can't happen. I mean, sure, guy, someone can have, like, a, a surprisingly good playoff run, like Fernando Pisani in 06, when he <laughs> goes and puts up, like, 10-plus goals in the playoffs. Like, came out of nowhere for that. But or like, DSP last it, year. Very, very true. Um, but for one series, to have your leading scorer only have three points, like, that's not just a guy stepping up. That's your big guns that aren't able to get anything going. Yeah, and it's like a not a particularly offensive defenseman oh he's a defenseman too yeah i didn't even know that i thought he was a forward (laughs) yeah he's i mean what i really know him for is that he fought wilson after going back and forth over so many games that's the only reason i really knew who he was right um so yeah next up is sergachev that's i mean with one goal one assist that's a bit more of a realistic one chernak got three assists were they primary or secondary i don't know (laughs) crucial information yeah and then stamkos was third surprisingly seeing as how he didn't get his first goal till game four i mean to be fair how many goals did tampa even score that series like eight yeah so that's not very good yeah so stamkos one goal one assist kucherov two assists he's tied with yan ruda for two assists point got one goal Tyler Johnson was one point, and Hedman had zero points, although Hedman didn't play every game. And he was also, yeah, he was hurt, and he didn't play every game, so. And there's rumors that Stamkos was hurt, too, but still, doesn't look good. No. Um, And to me, the biggest difference maker in this series, Bobrovsky. Yeah, I was going to say that he stepped up. He had one bad period. Exactly. First period of the series. And then I guess he, I don't know what happened if he just shuck off, shook, shuck? Is shuck a word? He shucked it, yeah. Shook off the nerves. I think he shuck oysters, right? Yeah. (laughs) And corn, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, he shook off the nerves and then just didn't look back. Yeah. So. And I think I I outlined this, too, in that same blog post, like, why Columbus was able to sweep the lightning. Bobrovsky's playoff stats in the past, he was, like, sub 900 save percentage and like three goals a game or something yeah three plus and this series he's like 930 and two point and two goals a game yeah he's uh so so he let in eight goals and his goals against average was 2.01 because they played four games uh and his save percentage was 932 yeah so he faced 117 shots and he made 109 saves. Yeah, and so, uh, that's the guy that Columbus needed to step up most to help um, maintain the system that they play. Yeah. And he stepped up, and he's finally, 
on on the track to shaking off that playoff choker um, moniker he's earned. Which is a good time for him to do it. Contract how he wants contract. Yeah. Yep. He wants carry price money, and this is this is the first step to getting that. And on the flip side of this goalie battle, not that it was really a goalie battle, but Vasilevsky led in 15 goals. His goals against average was 3.82, and his save percentage was 8.56. Not good. That's uh, that's Bobrovsky stats. Yeah. Stats guy <laughs> says that's not good. <laughs> so, yeah, shots, 104 and 89 saves. It's not, not very good. No, no. And y- we've seen Vasilevsky go god mode before. And I Honestly, he... In my opinion, he is probably the best goalie in the league in terms of the saves that he can make and his ability to play the position and just battle to save every single shot. Yeah, he got burned pretty hard on a lot of these goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, no one really expected this. It's pretty crazy. Um, well, no one expected this, and then you have the NHL actually come out and say, all right, so we can you can like redo your brackets for the second <laughs> round yeah like that's a thing now because of the upsets <laughs> yeah it's pretty insane like it's um, unprecedented so the next series what i want to discuss a little bit is the uh, islanders and penguins another sweep that i had the i had the islanders winning in five or six i think i said yeah but i mean i wasn't expecting a sweep no I wasn't either for sure. in this one. I thought, I mean, I I gave Pittsburgh too much credit, apparently. I guess so. I thought that, I mean, I picked Pittsburgh to win. I just gave them the benefit of the doubt of being the team that you can never count out of a playoff run. Yeah, I was but, thinking uh, that they would at least put up more of a fight. Yeah, and they didn't. Like, you watched them play, and they were just flat. Half, flat. Yeah, they were completely flat, slow behind the play, like... The notable, the notable play for me, even though I don't think it was, was I don't think it was a goal, is when <laughs> Valtteri Filippula just like, oh, it was yeah. just the weakest toe drag, from like the cent- from the faceoff dot to the to the slot, around Chris Letang. Yeah, just and dangled him. It wasn't even like a good dangle. It was just he moved the puck a few inches away, <laughs> and just completely got him. Yeah, pretty telling of the effort that was being put in by the Pens. Um, on top of them apparently having the best uh, defensive core since Jim Rutherford took over. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, think I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> Johnson, Goodbranson, Mata, Schultz, and Latang Schultz, and Dumoulin. Dumoulin. Yeah, I don't think that's. I mean, solid. four of those are okay, but <laughs> yeah, they're they're playing way above where they should be in a D line or in a D core, and uh, two of them are not regular NHL defensemen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to congratulate you on a really good pick for a difference maker. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jordan Everly. My boy Ebbs. <laughs> Six points. Yeah. He four had a good games. Series. Four goals, two assists. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He he needed to step up. That he needed to help provide some of that scoring touch for the Islanders, and he did. And he also, I think, I think we talked about this last week too. Um, the leadership he gave. Because in that final game, he was basically coaching the team on the ice. Yeah. That he was directing the play. He was telling guys where to go. And on the bench, he, um, him, 
him another player and one of the coaches were talking and the coach was like drawing up a play on the whiteboard Everly grabbed the whiteboard erased it and drew up his own play yeah that's pretty cool like he he took on not just like a, a role as a producer on the ice like he was a leader and that's the jordan Everly that i think really stopped showing up for a couple years at the end of his tenure in edmonton and he had trouble this uh, regular season too so yeah big props to him for stepping up yeah, there's a lot of cool storylines going on with the Islanders because you have, you know, Jordan Everly resurging into prominence and you have Barry Trotz with his level of experience, obviously having just won the Stanley Cup. So he has a less experienced team going into playoffs, but the coach has been there before. So yeah. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, and he yeah he knows what to do. So he knows how to keep the players in check and then you get have them ready emotionally and physically he's got all the same assistants he had in washington you have uh mitch corn the goalie god yeah. working with leonard and leonard's got his own cool story yeah, this season i think i want to say that's the best storyline he should win the masterton oh he's got it for I, sure there's no way he doesn't i would give him the, the best coming too. back from mental health issues and um, addiction problems and playing fucking lights out yeah i would i would give him the vesna too he just got nominated for it yesterday and i mean bishop's got a good argument too because of his stat line but i think i think leonard's got it because of the rest like the rest of the team as well did he play a lot less games i think because he was splitting uh, games with grace i actually don't know how many less because bishop was hurt too oh that's true so they i'm assuming they're both in like the 60-ish yeah the other one up for that award is vasilevsky he shouldn't even be there i don't I don't think he should. I saw I saw a post yeah, on Reddit about that, and um, Darcy Kemper had basically the same stat line on a way worse team. And the yeah, only difference so he is wins. Should. Kemper should get the nomination instead of Vasilevsky because it's quite I obvious so. that Vasilevsky had a better supporting cast than Kemper did. Yeah, that's the NHL though. A reputation awards. Reputation awards, or you didn't get it last year, so you'll get it this year. Yeah. Although, did who won last year? It was probably either him or, Hel- him or Helibiak. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. Fleury was nominated. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, Leonard, he only let in six goals. He had a goals against average of 1.47, save percentage of 9.56. And, like, that is absurd. Like, a 9.56 save percentage. Yeah. Like, Crazy. That's god mode. 136 shots, 130 saves. Yeah. I, it, it's speechless. Like, that's just, th- those numbers are outstanding. And Matt Murray, at the other end of the rink, let in 12 goals. He had a goals against average of 3.02, save percentage of 906 on 127 shots and 115 saves. Yeah. I mean, the series isn't on Matt Murray. But he no. wasn't playing his best. He let in some weak goals. That Komarov goal was really weak. Is that the one, the slow across cross-ice pass? Yeah. Yeah, and Komarov barely got any wood on it. Yeah, and it just <laughs> found slid, its way in. Slid in, yeah. Yeah, at Crosby, one assist it stands out to me. I think Malkin was the leader with three points. Yep. And it's kind of like I asked you before that, Will Crosby get shit for this? And we both kind of said no. But he There's been has a little bit. He has kind of put it on himself. Yeah. And said, I need to be better. Yeah. 
And I think that's that's a fair that's assessment. That's correct. I mean, he is the leader of that team, and he, what he does, the team does. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's fair to for for him to take on the responsibility, and it's exactly what you'd expect out of a guy like Crosby. It's one hundred percent what you'd expect out of Crosby. Yeah, put it on himself and kind of beat anybody to the punch on himself. Yeah, he's not gonna he's he's gonna take the shit for it over any of his teammates. And you know, it. just how much he's gonna train this summer. He's going to go insane. He's going to come back with... Okay, so he had tree trunk legs before. What are they going to be now? <laughs> like California Redwood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crosby to LA confirmed. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, so... That's kind of all I have to say about that series. Do you have anything to add? Um, well, I want to talk about maybe looking at... Is this kind of the beginning of the end for this era of Pittsburgh? That they, you know, they won their cups, and now are they kind of on that downward curve as their their key players start to get older? They don't have the same prospect pool they once had, and now you're starting to see holes in their roster. I think so. I think the fact that Rutherford has said everybody but Malkin and Crosby is kind of available speaks to that. Yeah. I don't think he really means that. I think there's got to be people on that team he's not going to consider trading. Like or they have to be massive overpayments. Yeah, but, I mean, their defense is not strong enough to win. Yeah, not, not in the current NHL. They've won one cup on that, but that was because they were just such a fast team, and they had the HBK line, Yeah. so they had three basically top lines that could score and outscore you. Yeah, and now they've and lost a lot of that. And was playing insane, and... Now, people have no where to shoot on Murray. He can't he can't steal a series as well. I mean, he can still get hot, but yeah. he's not a brand new goalie. As we've seen so many times before, a brand new goalie comes in to the league. I mean, look at Bennington right oh, now. For sure, same story, right? Rookie goalie. Oh my God, how do we score on this guy? Next season, oh, we score. We this yeah. is how we score on him. Except yeah, and uh, Miko Koskinen. He was yeah. great for, like, 10 games in December, and then everyone figured out how to score on him way quicker than they do on other goalies. Yeah, you have pro scouts evaluating exactly where to, where to shoot on all these goalies. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a, it's a valid point that you're making. I think they're not done yet. No, not at all. But their window is definitely closing, and I think they've made a lot of questionable trades that have hurt their depth. Um, yeah, I think Rutherford's made a few trades that may have helped in the short term, that may have helped contribute to like those two cups they did get, but now they're lacking a bit of that depth, and they're also looking to be a little bit um, improperly built for what the NHL needs to succeed now. Yeah, and handing out Albatross contracts or to uh, Jack Johnson. Yeah, was that a trade or was that? I think a it was signing. a signing. Because they have four more years of Jack Johnson, and he looked fucking garbage in that series. Um, talk about a difference maker. I think he was definitely a difference maker in the negative yeah, light really. because he showed he can't cover lanes. He can't skate. Well, the thing, like, <laughs> like the Islanders are a pretty fast team, especially once you get once you're trying to play against like Barzell, Eberle, and Lee and Nelson. And if he gets stuck out there against him, like he's a 
big, lumbering, slower defenseman who would succeed 10 years ago, but he's not suited to succeed now. Took a lot of penalties as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that was him on that one play, like, came out of the penalty box, tripped a guy, and then hit another guy interference, right? <laughs> that was him. You are correct. Yeah. That's, um, not, that's not a good play. <laughs> the, one, the one trade that stands out to me is that Ryan Reeves for a first-round draft pick. That one. What the fuck? I don't think that would would be good in anybody's head. Yeah, he I mean, it was a late. It was like what thirty first round, thirty first pick. Yeah, because they that was when they traded for him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, then Reeves isn't a first round pick value. No, and I saw Sorry. a lot of fans say like, "Well, that would have been a second round pick last season." Yeah. Well, it would have been a really uh, like high second round pick. Yeah, so. like Reeves is a valuable member of a team, but not that valuable. No. Rutherford's got some weird I don't know how he's coming up with values for different things, but it school. seems he like really he's, did the same. He's kind of slipping in a little bit. Yeah. It's it's I saw this article about um in the Oilers organization how they value skill and how they basically treat skill as completely worthless. Like they're they're all in for that like toughness and that grit. And they value that so, so much in some organizations, especially with old school um, front office staff, that you end up with trades like that. And you end up with trades like a couple of draft picks for Griffin Reinhardt. I could see that with Pittsburgh because the skill is already there, that they feel they don't need to bring in any more skilled players. Mm-hmm. They need more of a supporting cast in those gritty guys. But Well, even even then, the gritty guys have to be skilled and fast now. Yeah, that's the way the league is going, like, and you can't, you the can't league just, is that way now. Exactly, you can't just like get a guy like you can't just get an old school goon to come in. Like they need <laughs> to be able to play hockey. Yeah, I mean even Ryan Reeves, he's a good hockey player. Yeah, um, he's just also a big motherfucker. Yeah, and he's scary, so he's used in that role a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it was a surprising surprising sweep yeah hey i'm all i'm all for it no oh, me the, too the more the more non um regular teams that make it deep the better it is to me it's cool because you saw how into it those fans were in long island yeah. and they've been starved of playoff hockey for a while now unfortunately they're not getting to go play back there again they have to go play at barclays yeah that sucks and but that was the, watched in, by the league the intensity is there yeah and and I, w- I wonder, like, how far away is that, is Barclays from... Barclays, I think, is in Brooklyn. Like, I, I don't so know. So it's not even on Long Island. Yeah. How far away is it, though, like... Oh, I don't know. Traveling. Too far. <laughs> I, would, I would think the average fan would say too far. Yeah, like, I don't... I'm not familiar with the geography of New York. I think it's where the... Is it the Brooklyn Nets? Is that... Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where they play. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think that's the whole. That was the point of the. Yeah. So it's kind of. It's not even on the island. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting series. Yeah. Um, it is like I said. It's really cool to see new, not new fans, but like other franchises being involved in playoffs and having success. Yeah. Well, it's, it kind of gets boring when it's the same team year after year. Same and teams. if the Caps make it past the Hurricanes. Um, and they play the Islanders. That'll be a fun series because they played um, a few years back, and the Capitals 
were the last before this season the Capitals were the last playoff team to play in Nassau against the Islanders um, and then the rink was thrown away yeah. <laughs> um, but if the Islanders were to beat the Capitals I'd be okay with that at this point before a series I'm okay yes. with it <laughs> you, got, you gotta wait and see how the series plays yeah. out but with Barry Trotz being the coach and just being a fun team to watch yeah I'd be I'd be okay with it yeah for sure maybe let's move on to that Caps actually man let's talk about St. Louis Jets first because that's another okay you want to go series. for the eliminated ones okay yeah let's just talk about the eliminated series first um so Jets won four games to two and story of the St. Louis actually won yeah yeah fuck <laughs> St. Louis my bad I got confused <laughs> St. Louis won four games to two against the Jets. Yeah. And the story of the series is Bennington. For sure. He had that one bad game, but, I mean, he played lights out. And um, Jet Killer, certified Jet Killer Jaden Schwartz. Natural hat trick. Yeah. And that and, and then uh, would have been game five when it was tied 2-2. And I think it was Bozak got oh, that yeah. tip in. Like, he just batted the puck and tipped it in. Bozak passed it to Schwartz. Oh, okay. It was Schwartz again. Okay, so he is the jet killer. Yeah, 15 seconds left yeah. in the third. And, like, that's just a dagger through the heart. Yeah. That yeah they, they actually played pretty well that game. and then, did not recover. No. Yeah, Schwartz just... What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Great time to wake up. Yeah, no kidding. They are uh, pretty sneaky dangerous those blues um, and this is even without because i don't think o'reilly and like tarasenko and like they didn't do great yeah i sent you that one thing on instagram where it was like the jets top line and it was like i don't remember like 10 points or something and it was the blues top line only had like two points yeah. or something like, it's like well the blues are winning goals. games exactly so they have better depth scoring and better goaltending yeah yeah um, hellebuck wasn't great but he it wasn't, wasn't his fault. terrible. He only had, in my mind, he only had one bad game. I think it was game two. That he let in a couple of softies where he just, he was just standing there and the puck just went by him. Yeah, for sure. He let in a couple of softies, but um, the rest of it, he played fine. And I mean, the game yesterday, the game six, he was actually really, really good. And well, he the kept Blues had, or the it. Jets had what, like two shots? <laughs> yeah, they had six shots after two periods. What was their total shots? Sub ten. I didn't even look at the end. Uh, they did get they did get at least ten. They probably got to about fifteen, I think, because they they got a couple of goals in the last few minutes. I did see a stat that Schwartz had more goals in that game than the Jets had shots in the second period. Yep. Just crazy. Crazy, crazy. Um, that that goal, that late goal in game five, I guess. Yeah. Did you see Truba? I think it, yeah, it was Truba. He pinned the puck against the boards with like 30 seconds left instead of outletting it to a winger. That's not a good move. He's trying to yeah. kill, trying to kill time. Maybe if there's like 10 that. seconds left, but there was yeah. 30, and he pinned it against the boards behind the net, and then the Blues just got the puck. And then yeah, Bozak passed it out. I guess that's better maybe than throwing it up the boards and it gets picked off guy was open yeah winger was wide open it was just a bonehead move yeah 
And I think that might be why they never bounce back, is it's just like they made a fucking bad mistake, and then everybody was like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, yeah. Well, I, so another, close. another key moment is that in game six, the Jets used their goalie, uh, their goalie interference challenge on something that, like, there's no way that would have been called back. Right. And then in the second period, when the uh, Blues, I think, I think it was their second goal, that very easily could have been called back, but they couldn't challenge it because they used it and lost it. Yeah, that's uh, so that's uh, that's unfortunate, unfortunate for sure. Blues just looked like they had momentum yeah. and they played better hockey. That just outworked them. Yeah, they just, they do. And, I mean, the Jets came in slow. They didn't pick it up. The Blues came in hot. They kept it rolling. And they've got, they've just got a solid roster. And I don't know how else to say. Yeah, they have how, a very yeah. deep team that can contribute. And everyone contributes in valuable ways. Very I mean, true. Their decor, like Petrangelo, Pareko, Edmondson, like leading that is solid as hell. I might like Bowmeister is playing well too yeah which is I always forget I keep forgetting about him because I just how can you forget about that accountant that plays on the blues (laughs) what they traded Scott Foster (laughs) (laughs) yeah um Um, he he had a slow start to the season but I think he was rehabbing from injury and he was really slow and now he's kind of got that speed back a bit that's kind of how he's always played but yeah they Um, um they have so many weapons up front like they have Tarasenko obviously I don't think he had that many points, as we just said. He, but had, a, he had a couple goals. He had a, he was leading the series, I believe, in shots, though. He's, and he's you have playing. to respect his shot. And he he plays a pretty heavy game, too. Like, he checks, and O'Reilly is O'Reilly, doing O'Reilly things out there, you yeah. know, playing hard, two-way player. He's that weird toe on his stick. Yeah, that weird little <laughs> curve thing. Yeah, It's for reaching around corners. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, Robert Thomas, that rookie's playing really well. That's his new nickname, <laughs> Robert that rookie Thomas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you should always be, kind of like yeah. 18-year-old Sam Bennett. Yeah, Um, and honestly, like, I think in terms of actual being defensemen, they might have one of the best defense decors in the league because the, the other teams that get a lot of credit are San Jose and Nashville, but they're they're offensive. Like, San Jose's got the you know, most star-studded decor but they're offensive and nashville is similar that they're always praised for their offensive prowess they're good defensively but in terms of sheer defensive shutdown play do you get better than having guys like petrangelo pareko edmondson and bowmeister no i think you're right that nashville and san jose definitely have the norris style d-man High point total, you know, Roman Yossi. Yeah. I guess Ekholm and um, even Ellis are kind of a little bit more defensive, but... Yeah. Like, yeah, Nashville's no slouch defensively, but they're also... They get they get a lot more credit for being good because they can be offensive and they do contribute. Yeah, and like, what is it, Riley Dunn is, is stepping up pretty... Yeah. Uh, to play good defensively. I don't know who their sixth... Bortuzzo, I guess. Probably. I think he was hurt for a couple games, or he was sick or something. But he got that slash on the arm. Yeah, it's what a crazy storyline, though, to be 
like last in the league basically on January first, and then yeah, be and almost four, four months first later in the central, yeah, four and months then later beat there. Yeah, come and then in you as go a and low kick seed, out one of the favorites. Yeah, at this point, like, what do you think happened to Winnipeg? I mean, they, they came in slow. I I think um. They're an incredibly talented, well-built team, and they just hit a really, really bad slump. Yeah, they came in frozen cold. Yeah, like they they hadn't been playing well for a long time since, and they never really recovered even getting Morrissey and Bufflin back. Bufflin had eight points in the series. Yeah, so he he was good, but it's just for some reason they couldn't contain the Blues, and they were only able to beat Bennington in that one game. I think much like the Tampa columbus series it's meaningful games coming down the stretch playing meaningful hockey yeah it's not somewhere a lot of people want to be because they have to win every game but at the same time you have to win every game so you're already in that playoff mentality yeah nashville or winnipeg yeah they were fighting for the division uh the division lead and seating but they were in the playoffs the whole time they had pretty they had a pretty good lead too because the central below them was like constantly turning over i think i'm remembering a some sort of question that maurice was asked about flipping a switch for playoff hockey and he said basically it's easy for us to turn it on because it's so much more meaningful now but games one and two you didn't really see that that intensity you saw it in the blues just i think wanting to win you did see it a bit in Winnipeg, but the Blues overpowered them, and whenever Winnipeg got a chance to let it out, Bennington stonewalled them. Yeah, they took the air out of the building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're Congrats obviously the frustrated Blues. right now, and Mark Wheeler. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Mark Wheeler <laughs> is uh, swearing at people asking questions about yeah. their performance, and uh, I mean, to be fair, it is kind of a dumb question, especially right after being eliminated. Yeah. Like what? What do you, what want do you feel about this? Yeah. yeah. What went wrong for you guys? You just, you just, you just lost. What? What went wrong? Well, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. No time to evaluate yeah. or examine what happened. Yeah. There is no one thing that you can analyze. It's just that's how it, that's how hockey is. Yeah. And uh, maybe let's move on now to another Canadian team that got eliminated, Calgary Flames. Which this one surprised me almost as much as Tampa losing. Um yeah, I picked Calgary in five. Yeah, I had him in five. So Colorado won four games to one. Yeah, and this wasn't even close. Like I I thought Calgary had the better depth, but nope, that's Colorado. Their guys are better. I mean it was kinda close because there was two overtime victories. Yeah. Could have gone either way. Grubauer Really Philip Grubauer, star of that series. Gruby, he really fucking changed the storyline because he made two clutch saves in. He made one in each of those overtime periods, and one of them directly led to the yeah one the of them turnaround rush that McKinnon like scored. Ten seconds later, McKinnon scores. Mm-hmm. Could have been game over, and he made an amazing save in the other overtime too. But the story is really just McKinnon just doing and his again thing. he's showing why he has 
over the last two seasons gained recognition as probably the second or third best player in the league. Yeah. Like, he's right up there with Crosby and McDavid at this point, no doubt. Yeah, so just read off some more numbers here for Colorado. Rantanen actually led the team with nine points. McKinnon had eight points. Barry had five. And I believe Barry was your difference maker. There was yours. I had James Neal. No, I had Neal. You had Barry. No, I picked James Neal. What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the opposite. No. I have to listen to it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you picked Barry. No, I had James Neal. We both picked Neal. I don't know. Well, maybe we both did, but you were also started talking about um, Colorado needing like a, a guy like Barry to step up. Okay. Well, you. So that's that's I, where the conversation came from. I'm gonna listen to that that podcast. But anyway, Barry had five points, and Kale McCarr just for super boo cool. Kale McCarr. <laughs> yeah. He had two points. Yeah, which. I kind of I kind of laughed when they brought him in because I was like, so what if they lose like the next two games and they just burn a year off his contract to play him in two playoff games? I think like they're that. happy with how it turned out. Yeah, I think so too. So he went and scored. I think he actually got the game winner in the game in his first game. He outscored Johnny Gaudreau. Good stuff. Who would have expected that? Yeah, after after Especially he puts not up having 99. played all of the games. Yeah, yeah, he just like stepped in. But I guess he 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 was in the mode because he came out of uh, um, college playoff hockey as well. So, right. So on the Flames, eighteen-year-old Sam Bennett led the team with a beautiful mustache. Yeah. For sixty, I think that's the best part that came out of Calgary yeah. for this. He's no longer eighteen-year-old Sam Bennett. It's Lanny Bennett. Yeah. At this point, he led the team with five points. Tuchuk had three points. Rasmus Anderson had three points. Backlund had three points. Monaghan, two points. Gaudreau, one point. James Neal, zero points. Yeah, so all these guys that had really, really good regular seasons didn't produce. Didn't do shit. Yeah. Um, James Neal needed to step up. He needed to be a leader. He needed to turn his game around. Got scratched. And he was he's now the real press box. Yeah, Neal, what did Neal. you say his new nickname is? Uh, the real press box Neal, James Neal. <laughs> That came off of a Twitter uh, Twitter post where it was just the press box meal, James Neal. And I just added the reel to it because it fits. So, yeah, all those 70-point scores basically did nothing. And then mm -hmm. you saw in the last game, Gaudreau missed a penalty shot and a clear-cut breakaway. I think, yeah, it ended up being two breakaways and a penalty shot. One of the And the penalty shot came off of one of the breakaways he missed. Yeah, and the move that he tried in the penalty shot, like stupid. He, yeah, he went way too. Like the announcers were talking about, he went way too slow for that. And then he missed the net completely on his breakaway, and you could see him just. I saw it on like uh, on our hockey. There was a comment, and it was like R. Watch people die inside, because <laughs> he just looked broken after he missed the net. Yeah, after he missed the net, and then he just skated into the corner and like his stick against the boards and was just rattled. Yeah. And then I believe after that breakaway, Colorado went down and scored. Yep. Sounds about right after that series. Um, That's really the story of the series is the Flames did something and then Colorado went down the ice and scored. <laughs> <laughs> that That's so true. Yeah. They were just, and I mean, how many shots per game were they getting? You wrote that down. Um... It was in the high. It, it was, was 40, 40, 40 plus. Yeah. 
I think it was like 41 or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So Colorado's just bombarding them with shots. And Mike Smith played really, really, really good. That he was a great goalie, great leader, great um, controlling the play. But it's hard to win when you're putting up, like, you have to, you have to save 40 shots a game. Yeah, exactly. You can't, can't do that. You can't do that over seven games. Either Calgary's got to block more shots or they have to reduce the amount of shots that get through the net. Yeah. And a team that was playing, like, Colorado was just buzzing. Calgary couldn't. It's just the same story we're seeing in, like, all these series. Like, one of these teams just has so much energy and they're overwhelming. And yeah. the other team just can't contain it. And they can't, um, they can't switch the switch it yeah so mike smith was as you said good he played very well which was something a lot of calgary fans were worried about going into the series who's going to be our goalie and are they going to play good well it turns out your goalie's going to play really really good but the team's going to play like shit yeah that's the story and so here's mike smith's numbers so he had 17 goals against which is a lot higher than the other series we talked about but I mean, we didn't give the uh, Blues and Jets series numbers because it wasn't didn't really come down no. to Hellebuck versus Bennington, although Bennington for sure won that battle. Yeah. So Smith, 17 goals against, goals against average of 3.2, save percentage of 9.17, shots was 205. Compared to com- like the 100 that some of the other goalies were facing. <laughs> Saves 188. Yeah, so this was a few more games than those sweeps, but over 200 shots. Game. Yeah, one game more, I guess. And, I mean, how many, like, I think Columbus had, it was like 120 to 100 and something shots. Yeah, Bobrovsky was 117 shots, 109 saves, yeah. and Vasilevsky was 104 shots, 89 saves. So, so one more game. One more game, but 100 more shots. 100 basically. more shots. So it doesn't matter, like, yeah, he had a 3.2 GAA, but you're giving up that many shots a game, and of course that's going to happen. Of course you're going to give up an extra goal. Yeah, so you basically have double the amount of goals against as Bobrovsky had. in Double the amount of shots. Th- yeah. And again, I don't fault Smith for that no, at all. Not at all. He made huge saves, and a lot of those goals were, like, you know, third rebound or something. And then that McKinnon shot yeah, in overtime, Nathan like, <laughs> fucking streaking down the wing, nobody in front of him, no D-man in sight. Like, you can't really fault the goalie too much for yeah. that. Um, yeah, and then uh, on the other side of the ice, Grubauer. 10 goals against, goals against average of 1.9, save percentage of 939 on 163 shots and 153 saves. So, yeah, so again, it's like Calgary was putting up shots, but not that volume. And based off of watching watching the play, you know, first off, Grubauer made amazing saves on very high-quality chances. So he, he is putting up numbers that a playoff goalie needs to, and that's how you're going to succeed in the playoffs. And on breakaways and stuff, too. Yeah, breakaways, like, rebounds in the slot, like, the, the saves in overtime that he made to keep the team in it. Like, that's the type of goalie performance you need. Yeah. But um, y- you have to wonder, too, like, okay, so Colorado clearly was controlling the play. They were, you know, they were dominating that. Like, how many of those other shots, too, were just, like, low-quality, like, whatevers? Yeah, I don't know how many saves he needed to, but um, was Calgary really putting up 160 shots worth of effort? Yeah, this could have been from outside, or... I'd like to see what the shot 
attempts would have been. Yeah. Maybe Colorado was blocking a lot of shots or something. But yeah, um, and, and a bit of a chart to yeah. see where they're coming from. But Grubauer is a good goalie. And, you know, last season he started the playoffs for the Capitals and lost the first two games against Columbus. But I remember a lot of talking heads saying, like, Hope he didn't even start the playoffs. And they didn't really give Grubauer his credit because Grubauer really secured that team's place in playoffs and he played l- fucking amazing hockey yeah. down the stretch when Holpe was playing bad. Yeah, he kept that team in it when first, like, I don't think anybody on the team was playing well for a little bit of that time, but, you know, Holpe had a bad ha- second half of that season and Grubauer stepped in and took over. Yeah, long enough until Polpy came back in and took him to the cup. And if you look at those threads on Reddit or something, wherever you look at those, um, when Grubauer got traded to Colorado with Orpik, nothing but happiness from Caps fans saying like, "We're really glad he's going to get a shot to be a starting goalie because he is. He deserves it. He's a starting goalie. It would suck to have him." I would love to have him as a backup, but he is a starting goaltender. He's good enough to be one. He is, he's got the numbers and the athleticism, and he's just a solid, solid goalie. And, and he worked with Mitch Korn, which is yeah. the key factor. And now he's gone to Colorado, so I'm sure he'll get a groin injury where Capitals goalies go to die. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to in a few years when Holpe goes to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> but... I would be really happy if he would continue to go on and play as well as he as well as he is, because mm-hmm. I'm I love that guy. Cause he was a huge part of that team, and he's a huge part of this team. And it's just cool to see Colorado succeeding like that. And yeah. I know you're happy as a Oilers fan. Uh, yeah, to as see an Oilers Calgary fan, choke. I'm I'm, st- I'm I'm doing kind of a mixed laugh cry because. Yes, I'm laughing at the Flames for getting kicked out in the first round like that. But I'm also like, oh, I didn't even make the playoffs, so what am I talking about? But I'll, I, I, I think we're probably going to say the same I point saw here. Stat. <laughs> yeah, that Edmonton is going to finish this decade with this with more playoff wins than Calgary. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to so. bring up. <laughs> take that. So there is a silver lining. <laughs> and you can take pleasure in the fact that Calgary had a historic failure. Because this is the first time in NHL history where both number one seeds have lost in the first round. I'm still amazed by that. Not only that that's the first time it's ever happened, but that the fact that it actually happened. Yeah. And like this year of all (laughs) years. Because sometimes you end up where it's like the number one seed in the conference is like one point better than the other teams. And there's like a 10 point gap between first and eighth or whatever. This year it's like 20, 30 points. It's remarkable like this is this isn't just a normal series this is like a straight up like holy shit upset you look at all the predictions that sportsnet tsn made for both the series it's 100 percent tampa and calgary everybody had like a tampa calgary final yeah. rematch and <laughs> now it's not gonna happen now they're gonna have a rematch on a golf course like. yeah <laughs> it's so crazy I can't, yeah and it is the best playoffs in a long time it's very striking that this has never happened before it's very surprising although i guess a lot of the time there was no salary cap and 
Yeah, I guess you we know, have like have some crazy with legit four teams. Times the payroll, yeah. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of something I want to talk to about at the end. Uh, <laughs> Making notes. So what what series do you want to talk about next? Because those are all the ones Let's that go are finish out east. The start with the Caps. Over. Caps Canes. A series close to my heart. Yeah. So again, I mean, it's generally been very overshadowed that series. You but made the point to me that hockey. it's this series is trying to become relevant. Yeah. And I think it has probably just because some are over <laughs> and you have to watch hockey. Yeah. Once the Tampa Tampa story is over and then the series started to get some questionable plays and um you know, physical playoff hockey, now it's decided to be relevant. Yeah, so maybe let's start with that fight. Yeah, so we basically just had an episode a few weeks ago talking about this exact same thing and how this was a big deal with, you know, the code in hockey. There's and there's no reason to get mad at anybody in this. Yeah, I really they don't both agree. see why everyone's making this story. I get because Svechnikov probably hurt. He was. But it's they both agree really like, a non-issue. Non it's a non-starter story for me. Yeah. You agree to fight, you get hurt, that's part of the territory. An 18-year-old kid decides to fight Beast Ovechkin. Like, of course you're going to get rocked. I do see a little bit of humor in it, and I feel bad because Svechnikov got hurt, but the humor to me is that Ovechkin fought the youngest person <laughs> in playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like this, it's like this guy in grade 12 going to fight some, like, new Yeah, like a sixth grade. grader or something. Yeah. Just, like, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> but, I'm, I mean, you see, like, there's quotes coming out now that Sveshnikov is saying, like, Ovechkin called me after the game. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not to mention that, like, yeah, Ovechkin asked him to fight because they were both getting each other under each other's skin, as you can see in the lead-up to it. Yeah. And they both agree to it. Yeah. Like, it's, non- it's, it's a non-story. It's just yeah. an unfortunate outcome. It's an unfortunate outcome, and it's definitely not the intent. Yeah. And, and I, if, if Sveshnikov didn't get KO, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Yeah, Same for sure. With, with Byron. Five minute majors each side. Yeah. You might have had someone be like, you would have had a story around um, just the mismatch of that fight, but it wouldn't be like, there'd be nothing to it. Yeah. And it's not like the Byron one where it's like someone's totally out of the weight class. It's just more of a maturity thing. Ovechkin, it's not like Ovechkin's a big fighter. It was his first fight in nine years. That's what I, I was actually surprised about that. I thought he would have at least had one. I mean, we got Wilson. Yeah. Wilson and Orpik basically fight. Yeah. I think fucking sense. TJ Oshie probably has had a fight more recently <laughs> than probably Ovechkin. Um, you want to move on? Now to that I mentioned <laughs> TJ Oshie, maybe let's talk about Timothy Jimothy a little yeah. bit. So he is out of the playoffs with a broken right collarbone. Yeah. On an unfortunate play, got. Bumped from behind by Warren Fogle. Is this Warren? Yep. Is it Warren? Yeah. It's Warren. Warren Fogle. And slid into the boards pretty dangerously and left the ice immediately. Yeah. Um, Unfortunate. Now that the dust has kind of settled a bit, my opinion has changed somewhat. I think it was just an unfortunate play, although it was dangerous. Yeah. Um, it was dangerous for the, the shove at the time when he's got TJ like kind of bent over like he was in the numbers yeah but um could it go either way on that one yeah and honestly the only reason it ended up like that is because tj's feet 
were spread out and he appears to have caught a rut or something and his skate just went off i think he's just in a vulnerable spot and it's dangerous to push a guy like that yeah but it definitely wasn't intent no yeah the and if there was intent he could have hit him a lot harder yeah and um in terms of like supplementary discipline the department of player safety says like the action itself wasn't malicious dirty there isn't you yeah know, bad it's intent just outcome it. yeah it was just outcome a, based uproar yeah. and capitals fans but uh, with tom wilson on the team we've been on the other side of that a lot so yeah it's unfortunate and i really will miss having oshi yeah, on the team fucking real american hero timothy jimothy i'm sure the rest of the team will too i mean he's easily like i said i've said before he's one of the most underrated players in the league for all of what he contributes. He's a huge part of that team. And um, even in the game yesterday, the fans were chanting his name. Yeah, TJ Oshi. Yeah. So big part of the team, big part of the organization. The fans love him. Like, he is He's He's huge. one of those guys who is well-loved on and off the ice by everybody. He's a huge, huge personality and just a really nice guy yeah. by all accounts. And it's going to suck to have him out. But that being said, playoff hero Devontae Smith Pelly is back. We had unleashed our secret weapon <laughs> who went pointless. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's normal for him. He's yeah. going to go out and score like one really amazing goal in, in uh, the elimination game. I guess it would be yeah. the next one. We've unleashed the DSP. Yeah. He looked good. He looked a lot faster than he was regular season. Yeah, which is good. He's no longer fucking fat boy. DSP, he's speedy, hit everything that moves. Solid guy. Glad to have him back. So I can't, I can't wait to see his absolute like Ovechkin level snipe from the play, <laughs> from the, from the circle. Hopefully next game. Yeah. Um, that's a huge bounce back game. Yeah, they looked they pretty were bad. Storing up all that offense and they were, you know, bursting at the seams to let it out. Yeah, they, they did look pretty bad for a couple of games there, especially that one where they got, like, 15 shots. Yeah, the 5-0 game. Yeah. That's the worst game the Capitals played all season. Easily. And then they come up. They out looked a little bit better in game four, but still bad. Yeah. and then Especially when game. you come out and give up a goal, like, immediately into the game. And then they immediately took a penalty. Like, you don't start a game like that. Yeah. It was a bad couple of games, but I did want to bring up out of those shitty games that the Capitals didn't look nervous or anything. They're just playing shitty. Like they didn't, they weren't panicking. They weren't desperate. They weren't desperate. They weren't doing ridiculous stuff out there. Like they're taking penalties, but it was normal. Like, you know, stick infractions and normal stupid stuff stupid stuff it wasn't like oh shit i want to hurt this guy because we're playing bad it wasn't it wasn't like uh malkin or or kucherov yeah and even pierre mcguire was saying like there's a lot of composure on the caps bench there's a lot of positive emotions like they're staying positive they know they've they've got the experience they know they're still in the series like they're not losing and they're cool I wonder if they gained that um, composure from their high school hockey days, and I wonder where they played that high school <laughs> hockey. <laughs> well, Pierre would be the guy to know. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that was kind of cool to hear, even in the the losses that Pierre Maguire is just yeah. saying, like, they're still composed. Yeah, even in the face of, of adversity, the team, is, a lot the of team knows that 
experience. You know, yeah, they've got the experience. They know how to handle it, which is very valuable. Looking at the performance of the Islanders, you got to wonder, like, okay, Barry Trotz probably had a huge, huge influence on some of the leaders on that team. Definitely. To like that. And this playoff composure and experience is something I wanted to bring up because in the last game, the Canes, I thought, showed the opposite. They don't have the experience. It. Yeah, I would expect it. I mean, you see their coach, how he's acting. Like, he's getting fired up and emotional. You have to imagine that's going down to the players who are already young it's a double and double-edged sword. Yeah. Emotion is a double-edged sword because you have the really, really high, but you also get the lows. And if they and if you don't channel it correctly, because, I mean, Brendamore is channeling it in anger and aggression. And you can... You, that's okay for a little bit, but when it starts to come out in slashing and cross-checking and unnecessary hits that are dangerous, yeah, then it's an issue. Yeah, and the way I'm seeing it, or how I'm seeing it uh, come up, is in changes, in pinches. Capitals were bad for changes in game three and four. But mostly their problem was just not playing their game. They didn't play their style of hockey. They let Carolina dictate the play. And then last night in game five, you saw Capitals hockey. And one play in particular stood out to me with Dougie Hamilton on that Connolly goal. Right. The commentators were saying it looked, some people might have thought it was icing. But if you look at the, the replay, Dougie Hamilton's skating. He, he's. He's not going for the puck at the ver when it crosses the goal line. He looks back and sees Ovechkin coming. He doesn't want to get hit, so he stops and lets Ovechkin get to the puck first. Then Ovechkin just does a sick pass to Connolly and he scores. So Hamilton definitely didn't see it. He didn't think it was icing. He just didn't want to take the body to make a play. Yeah. Which and Ovechkin not, made him pay for that you because can't he that beat him playoffs. to the puck. You can't let Ovechkin beat you to the puck. Mm-hmm. If you have a step on him, you have to get that puck. Yeah, when you've got a guy like Ovechkin, like not only is he offensively minded enough to be able to uh, like navigate around you, he's no slouch put um um physically. No, definitely not. That's probably why he wanted to get out of the way. And that I thought was the Capitals' experience coming through, playing the body every time you can, because it's making that D-man second think second. Yeah, second think second, second guess. Second guess, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I have CTE. Uh, he's second guessing what he wants to do, right? Because normally that'd be a no questions asked. I go to the puck, I play out the boards or whatever. But he's holding back because he's intimidated by Ovechkin, right? Yeah. So I just thought that that play really shine a light on how the series is going. And it was a huge bounce back game. I'm impressed. Um, so I think, depending on the first five minutes of that next game. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Because they've been giving up early goals a lot. Yeah. So they need to not do that if they want to win game six. It's also been interesting to see how Ovechkin and Backstrom have they've traded roles. roles completely. <laughs> Backstrom's got like four goals. Yeah, he is a snipe show out there. Yeah. And Ovechkin's making some dank passes. So, and Ovechkin actually had that quote where he said, um, Nicholas Backstrom is the sniper out there, and I am Nicholas Backstrom <laughs> <laughs> passing to him. 
so it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just excited to see what happens next game because it's been a home team series, and very contrary to Jets Blues, where the road team won every game. Yeah, and I'd like to see the Capitals win in Carolina just to finish it off and not yeah. have to go to Game Seven. So we'll see. Uh, move on to the next Eastern Conference, Toronto-Boston. Toronto's up three games to two. I'm sad. <laughs> Don't you want Canada's last remaining team to move on? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> not really, as in not at all. Um, I, they're playing well, that's all I can say. Like They're lucky this year that they've got God Mode Fred, Freddie Anderson stepping up. And like we said, Austin Matthews had to step up. He's put in a few goals. It's unfortunate the way that um, game five went. That fucking goaltender interference. Yeah. Or lack of. I can understand that it's hard to overturn a call when you're not 100% sure of incidental contact or not, but I don't think you can get away with not overturning that one. That was 100% the wrong call. And then even the NHL, when they released their statement, they didn't even analyze the play. They just said... This is how we determine if it's goaltender interference or not. Yeah, okay, the, well, only, the only rule they quoted and the one that they focused on was that they couldn't tell if it was incidental. They didn't have enough to overturn it. But they kind of yeah. worded it weirdly, so it was like, did you even watch the play? Yeah. Do you even know what happened? I mean, I don't in the think crease, he cross-checks yeah. himself into Tuca. Yeah. And, like, at first I thought, I thought there was a lot of emphasis for some reason on impeding the goalie's ability to make a save i thought that was a just like a very big part of the rule but that's not even in the rule book so i don't know where i got that from it's about the goalie's ability to defend the crease freely which he didn't have which, yeah he didn't have when he's got um is it hyman i think when hyman. he's got hyman's arm like blocking that side of the net yeah his, so he can't path. push across to try and even make the save yeah. that's something that cassidy said he said i hope they're not determining if tuca could make that save normally or not because that's not what it's about yeah and i think that that's where i was hung up originally because i didn't think he could make that save regardless i thought i thought he started moving too late because of the screen but he couldn't defend the net freely anyways and there's no way that contact even though it happened outside of the crease that still is like intentional contact that should disallow the goal yeah it was a brutal call brutal and i think I think I mean everyone expects this game, game seven in this series. So I think Boston's gonna have a huge bounce back game, which they're actually just starting right now. Yeah. So as soon as we're done this, we're probably gonna turn that on. Yeah. I wonder what's happening in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're probably about five minutes into the first. Yeah. But it's been back and forth. It's yeah. been it's good. one it's game, good. then one game. And now that Kadri's out, it's actually really, really good hockey. It's calmed down a lot. Yeah, you bring that one person out. The shit apples spoiling Which, the bunch, much, right? Yeah, <laughs> basically. As much as I don't like the the suspension for the fact that it's three or five games, yeah, I don't like the varying length to say one or the other. But I do like that they at least recognize that the main purpose of this discipline was to get him out of that series. Which is fair. Yeah, but like you said, I would have liked a hard number. Yeah, because it's basically saying like, oh well, what you did was varyingly bad. Which is dumb. Yeah, that could warrant three, four, or five games. Yeah. So we're just going to say either. <laughs> yeah, any yeah. of it. Any of it's fine. Yeah. 
it's been exciting hockey though it's been really fun to watch yeah these are two like toronto's high power team boston's boston like they're just good yeah and you've got everybody stepping up um you've got charlie mcavoy developing a reputation for destroying his own goalie <laughs> he did that yeah, earlier in the season time. with Kreider, and then he did it again with someone in this series. I think it was Tavares he launched into his own goalie. Yeah, that was so not... He's probably, he's probably got to stop that, because that's not going to go over well in the future. It's not ideal. No. Um. And I'm... Honestly, this... Yeah, this is still, like, the most exciting series to watch, like, for the hockey, not the storyline. I agree. It's definitely some solid hockey. Well, you want to move west... Yeah, let's finish up out there. So we've got Dallas, Nashville. Dallas is up three games to yeah. two. So in our last episode, I mentioned how whichever goalie gives up a dumb goal and has a bad game first is going to change the tide of that series. So game four, I think it was, um, Dallas goes and scores four goals on Rene in the first period. Gets pulled. <laughs> they lose that game. Dallas wins the next game again. And I think that's just that is just what's going to happen. Looking like it. I haven't watched too much of this series. I turned the game on yesterday, and Nashville's looking pretty weak. They're not the dominant. They're doing the same thing as Winnipeg, actually. Like you Flopping know, they're over and yeah, letting it happen. You know, they're a dominant as hell team, but they're not looking like it. Their D coverage was weak. Um, the only standout player that I can even think of on Nashville is Rocco Grimaldi. That's bad. Like everybody else, I'm I'm looking at guys like Arvidsson and Johansson are invisible yeah it's not ideal um and dallas i mean they're they're playing pretty good and this this guy uh rupe hints yeah is that he's great name great game <laughs> <laughs> that's his new slogan i developed <laughs> like he's he's visible every time he's on the ice he's making i don't know if he's putting up points but he's, he's making an impact he's making an impact that's cool which is it's what you need is that that depth presence I saw radulov got two goals in the last game yeah yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and yeah, Dallas is just getting way too many high quality chances. So I think they're gonna. They're I think gonna, they're probably. Gonna you pull think they win out. the next game? Yeah. That's gonna be an upset. I yeah, big time. I mean, everybody's Nashville, bracket's gonna be fucked. I don't. I think I picked Nashville. I think we both picked Nashville, right? Yeah, I definitely had Nashville. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's this. Here's a little stat I have. Dallas has a 100% penalty kill in this oh, series. Right. So Nashville has a 0% power play. So That's just want, laughably bad. If you want any evidence, like this is five games now, zero power play goals. If you want any, any evidence on how Nashville has been completely invisible and unable to control the game, how do you not have a power play goal in five games? How do you not score at home on the power play in that barn? Yeah. Well, I mean, did you see their anthem, th- anthem singer yesterday? Yeah, he fucking ate shit. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, so spell. he walks out, and the first thing he does is kind of like awkwardly look up throughout the crowd, and he's like, How's it going? <laughs> like, how you doing? Like, it very southern, like, um, you're just, how you doing? And then he just, like, goes into the anthem. <laughs> and just falls on his face. Yeah. Face plants. Yeah. So pretty that bad. was, that was, uh, actually, that's pretty representative of the series for Nashville. Face plant. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really have anything to say about that because I haven't really watched it. Maybe let's move on to the final series here. Sure. So Vegas, Golden Knights, and San Jose Sharks. Vegas is up three games to two. Exactly what we thought would happen. Yeah, it's really just Stone. Yeah. 
Pacioretty. Yep, that line. Statsny. That line is absurd. Dominating. Dominant. Good. What does Stone have, like, 10 points? Something fucking, like that. Fucking insane. There, there is a stretch. I think uh, um, Stone and Stasny had, like, 8 points, and Pacioretty had 6. I think Pacioretty has more than Stasny no, He now. might now. But I, I, I jokingly yeah. said that, you know, he's got less points. Pacioretty's got to step it up here. Yeah. He's letting the team down. Yeah. He's letting the line down. And we're looking at the question marks going into the series for San Jose. Martin Jones, not been great. San Jose's defense, not been good. That, like we mentioned earlier, like San Jose's offense is, or defense is good because they're offensive. But Brent Burns and Eric Carlson have been questionably bad defensively. Carlson's been bad at times, getting and, the puck up in the slot yeah. and stuff. And Mark Edward Vlasic's been injured since game two. Yeah. And it shows that Vegas, San Jose wasn't able to counter Vegas's play and Vegas dominates. Yeah, now that Vegas has like a legitimate first line, I don't care where they play in the lineup, that's a first line. Yeah. They're scary. Mm-hmm. And um, it's that quick attack we were talking about Vegas has. How many, I think it was like five or six periods in a row that Vegas scored in the first minute. Yeah. And then they did again like in the first like two and a half minutes. Yeah, I, I can't tell if that's more credit is due to Vegas for that, just having that open the floodgates mentality, which is very rare in hockey, or it's Martin Jones being very, very subpar. I think it's a bit of both, because this is a common this is a common thing I've seen in Vegas's game against a lot of teams that they just come out like they come out and they're acting like they're already mid game mid shift. And in the middle the of a power play. Like, they just, yeah, they got the juice flowing before they get on the ice. And, like, yeah, Jones has been letting in questionable goals. He's been exactly what we thought Martin Jones would be. And he hasn't stepped up. Which is bad. Although the last game, he made some pretty big saves. Yeah, yeah he surprisingly enough did have a decent game five. But um, too, too little too late when yeah. the rest of the team isn't performing. And, I mean, Joe Thornton went and got suspended. Classic jumbo. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, struggling. You can see it out there. Yeah. Especially Evander Kane is just fucking losing his shit out there. Yeah. Got like the penalty minute leader of the playoffs right now. So he is. He's kind of always had that. I don't want to say anger issues, but he he gets frustrated easily and it take and takes it out on uh, on opponents in penalizable ways. Yeah, I mean he's always been mouthy. I'm showing up to team meetings and stuff in a tracksuit and waving your money on Twitter and stuff. And yeah, it's not not been good. Got to focus a bit more on. Can be a very good power scoring. Forward. When he when he's on his game, like he's a really really good power forward. Yeah, I mean That's Vegas has done a really good job of eliminating him as a threat. Yeah, they knew they knew exactly what they needed to do. They got under his skin and Just they got rid of him. Get into a Twitter battle, Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Yeah, so I think Vegas is gonna probably take it next next uh, game. I would be surprised if San Jose gets another game, but is that tonight? They play yeah, tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, tonight as in four p.m. Yeah. It's weird. So okay, so yesterday, the three games on schedule: Washington, Carolina, um, Nashville, Dallas, and Winnipeg, St. Louis. Which game was the latest? 
in the day. Carolina Capitals. <laughs> the Eastern Conference game was later in the day than the two Western Conference games. I found that really weird. It was very strange. And today we've got San Jose Vegas playing the late game at 4 p.m. <laughs> I, I guess it is Easter, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the series. I did want to quickly mention the second coming of Christ to Detroit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Stevie Y. So, to the surprise of exactly zero people. Yeah. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I was what, you mean he's just moving there because he has family in Detroit? Oh, wait a minute. He's actually be- becoming their next yeah. general manager. And I mean, to be, I'm pretty sure this was in what was expected in the media. When oh, he yeah. left Tampa, like 100%. That he's going to be going into the Detroit organization in some capacity at the it's end of the season. It's just funny that Tampa got swept so we could get in there earlier than expected. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think about that. <laughs> Fucking Steve Eiserman. Yeah. He's, he's got a lot to do in Detroit, and it's interesting at his press conference that he had that mentality like, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I got to get right to work after this meeting basically um, he's got a little bit of damage control to do because of the amount of really bad contracts they've got yeah um ken holland has made some interesting decisions yeah i think primarily it's going to be abdul cater i think yeah i think um the bad ones on d it's like cronwall and erickson i think they just their end is soon enough that it's not going to be an issue abdul cater i think has like fucking six years or something left something stupid uh, and he's not not good. Yeah. So, nice thing about Detroit for Steve is that he's got a handful of good prospects. Yeah. That will help. Um, they'll help him because I mean he him him and his staff in Tampa were amazing at drafting and developing. So that's going to be great for them as they've got a handful of guys. They've got Dylan Larkin. Yeah. Who's going to be major part? So I think he's being primed as the next captain. I basically. Think a lot of people are expecting Iserman to make him captain for this season, and I think it's well-deserved. Yep. He is that team right now. Basically. And uh, in his press conference, Iserman said, don't expect us to be in like playoffs right away. This is going to take time. We have to take the time to do it right, and that's the mentality you have to have. And I yep. think he'll be successful. I do too. His track record in Tampa shows that he can do a lot. Yeah, he's going into it with the right mentality. He's, he's so many GMs come in and like, oh, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs this season, next season. We want to make the playoffs this year. It's like, well, yeah. you're rebuilding. You can't. Like, you can't just jump up and, like, forego three years of rebuilding because you want to make the playoffs now. I'm excited. I'm really happy that he's back. It's just something that everybody knew was going to happen. But also, it's everything. Everybody hoped it. It's something that someone, everybody thought should happen. Yeah, like it's, it's just, just the right natural, thing. yeah, the natural course there. of events. Yeah, I'm also somewhat relieved that Ken Holland staying in Detroit, and not going to Edmonton, because right. he was <laughs> reportedly being tapped for a position in Edmonton. The last thing I saw about that was they were talking to Hunter, the yeah. GM of London Knights or something. I I don't I don't like that. It's not Dale Hunter though. It's like his brother. Yeah, it's Mark Hunter. Yeah. The one who, the one who has been given a lot of credit for being good at drafting and developing in Toronto but actually didn't. Ah. Well, he could fit right in. Yeah. Which I I don't know why they want this move cuz or why he's getting so far along cuz um apparently in the NHL he was one of the guys that 
like a Brian Burke type, like the oh. same the same shit that we've been dealing with, like the old school mentality. Why don't you just cut out the middleman and get Brian Burke? <laughs> yeah. Um, or you know you could get you could get uh, that other fucking sports net guy who was Columbus's. Oh, Doug McLean. That guy's even worse. <laughs> ha! They drafted Carey Price. What idiots! Well, and the, and the thing, too, is, like, Edmonton needs drafting and development. And this guy, yeah, he's a junior. Like, he's spent a lot of time in juniors. But he's been the GM of the London Knights. Like, you can't pay players under the table to get them to come to Edmonton. <laughs> like, there's no way that that's not happening in London. And you can't do that in the NHL. So I don't know what, like, if this guy's actually going to be any good at it or not. Hey, I don't know. I just saw the headline. I don't know who he is or what he's been doing, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting. But all has been restored in Detroit. Order has been restored. Yeah. Yeah. All is right in the world of Detroit. So is it the natural course of action for Brendan Shanahan to head back to Detroit? I think Shanahan a career red wing enough. Is he recognizable enough for that? I think Iserman being... He has the uh, the Iser plan. I like that. And the Shanna plan is its own <laughs> thing in Toronto. Okay. I think Shanahan will probably stay. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a lot of other... Okay, uh, so we're now going to start evaluating uh, potential like GMs and ho- president hockey ops off of the ability to put plan in their name. Yeah. Chia I mean, plan doesn't work. Maybe you can get some other career Red Wings, like Lidstrom. Maybe Lidstrom can get involved. Yeah. I don't know. Imagine how. if they had Lidstrom the perfect, teaching their defenseman. Maybe the perfect human can be the perfect GM. <laughs> <laughs> perfect something. Yeah, D, uh, defensive coach. Yeah. Could you imagine if Lidstrom became a coach? And he just has like an, it's like six Lidstroms. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to imagine that unless it's my team. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I guess that's really all we have to talk about. Kind of went a little bit long this week, but there's so much playoff hockey you know yeah about. you know what it's playoffs it's important we can talk about it can't not talk about yeah Iserman returning to the holy land too so i guess with that uh that's the episode that's the episode <laughs> and uh yeah if you like what you're listening to make sure to follow share like subscribe whatever and uh if you want to keep up to date on any content we release we've got uh we're on twitter facebook and instagram So thanks for listening, and we hope you uh, listen again next time.